Good morning, I'm Pastor Dan from Life Church. Well, today we're continuing in our message series, Jesus in Action from the Book of Mark. Mark was originally written to the Christians in Rome. At the time of its writing, Christians were facing a season of intense persecution. Many believers were tortured and martyred under the Emperor Nero. Now, the Gospel of Mark focuses on the actions of Jesus and who he was to give comfort and hope to those persecuted Christians. And Mark gives hope to believers of all ages, no matter what difficulty they may be facing, including our world today. Now, today our message is entitled, Who is Jesus? Now, this is undoubtedly the most important question that every human being on the face of the planet Earth needs to answer. The answer to the question, who is Jesus, will determine what kind of life you live here on earth and your eternal destiny. So let's look at what are the possible answers to the question, who is Jesus? Now the first possible answer is that, is that Jesus never existed. The accounts of him in the Bible were just made up by the authors. And, and the answer that Jesus never existed is is not a possible answer because of the historical records that we have available. Not only do we have the four Gospels in the Bible and other letters and writings in the Bible, but there are other non-biblical sources that attest to the life of Jesus. Virtually all modern scholars of antiquity agree that Jesus existed historically. He was a real person. And so this answer is not possible. The second answer to the question, who is Jesus, is that he was a, a liar or a crazy person. Now, as we read the Gospels, we see that some did say that Jesus was demon-possessed, others that he was out of his mind. And yet, as we read the accounts of Jesus' life and words, we realize he was neither a liar nor a crazy person. And so, very few people, if any, would give that answer. Now, thirdly, we come to the most popular answer, which is that Jesus was just a great teacher. A poll done this year on adults in America indicated that 52% of Americans, the majority, agreed with the statement that Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. About one-third of people who claim to be evangelical Christians also agree that Jesus was simply a great teacher and not God. Now, was Jesus a great teacher? Of course he was. He was the greatest teacher the world has ever seen. But could he have been a great teacher and not God? Well, to answer that question, we need to look at what Jesus taught. As we study the teachings of Jesus, we find that he claimed to be God many times. John 8:58, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Now, in this brief statement, Jesus claimed to have existed before Abraham, who lived thousands of years before Jesus was born. He also used the name of God used in the Old Testament for himself, I am, speaking of God's eternal existence. Now the Jews recognized Jesus' claim to be God in that statement and they sought to stone him to death for blasphemy. Another of many examples took place in Jesus' trial before the crucifixion in Mark 14. It says again, the high priest asked him, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Again, Jesus uses the Old Testament name of God, I Am. He speaks of being the divine Son of Man, seated in heaven. In response, the high priest tore his clothes, announcing that Jesus had committed blasphemy by claiming to be God 
and he sentenced him to death. Jesus was crucified for claiming to be God. Now, if someone today claims to be God, what are the options? Well, we would assume the person is either a liar pretending to be God or a lunatic who is crazy thinking he is God. We would never call such a person a great teacher. And so calling Jesus a great teacher is not a logical or possible answer to the question of who is Jesus. And that leaves us with only one possible answer, that Jesus is indeed who he claimed to be, God himself. Now, why is it important that Jesus was and is God? Because the only way that he could save us from our sins is if he was God and man at the same time and lived a sinless life. Only then could he pay the penalty for our sins and be able to forgive us so we could be saved. Jesus said in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus had to be the divine Son of God to give us the gift of eternal life. And so today God wants each of us to be convinced that Jesus is God for our own salvation and God wants you to be able to be a witness to the growing majority of people in America that think he was just a good teacher and so are not saved. So let's see what Mark has to say about the answer to the question, who is Jesus? First of all, we need to recognize that, that Jesus is the Messiah. Mark 8 verse 27 says, On the way he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others one of the prophets. So in Jesus' day, just like today, people had different opinions of who Jesus was. The people of Jesus' day had either seen or heard stories about him healing the sick, casting out demons, teaching, and even raising the dead. And so the answers the people gave were all prophets, John the Baptist, Elijah, and other prophets. Now these prophets were godly men, good teachers, even some workers of miracles, but they certainly never claimed to be God. All had eventually died, including John the Baptist. Who had the Old Testament predicted would eventually come? Well, someone more than a prophet. And so Jesus asked them in verse 29, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Christ. And so Jesus asked his disciples who they thought he was, and Peter answered for the group. He said that Jesus was the Christ. Christ means anointed one or Messiah. And so Peter was saying that he and the rest of the disciples believed that Jesus was the coming Messiah. And if one reads the Old Testament prophets carefully, you can see that the Messiah who was to come was seen to be God himself. Just one example, one of the names of the Messiah and the prophet Isaiah was to be Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so Peter did not go along with the groupthink of the culture of his day. He spoke the politically incorrect truth that Jesus was the Messiah that they had been waiting for for thousands of years. Now Jesus accepted Peter's correct answer that he was the Messiah and told them not to tell others at that time. Verse 31, And Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Now the conception of the Jews was that the Messiah would be a political leader like a king. And this Messiah king would overthrow the Romans and reestablish the Jewish nation. After Peter correctly said that Jesus was the Messiah, 
Jesus told them what was going to happen. It was not like anything that they could have imagined. Rather than being a conquering king, Jesus the Messiah would suffer. He'd be rejected by his own people, the Jews, and be killed. The good news was that after three days, Jesus would rise from the dead. Well, verse 32 says, Jesus said this plainly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he, that is Jesus, rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And so just after Peter had correctly called Jesus the Messiah, Peter tries to rebuke Jesus for saying that he would not, that he would have to die. Why did Peter do it? Well, it didn't fit in with Peter's idea of what the Messiah should do. So Jesus in turn rebuked Peter for letting Satan attempt to use him to dissuade Jesus from his mission on earth. Peter was not understanding God's plan. He was simply looking at things on a human level. And so Peter, and we need to recognize that, that Jesus is the divine Messiah predicted in the Old Testament by the prophets. Now, let's talk a little bit more about how we can use the question, who is Jesus in witnessing today? When we get in a conversation with others about spiritual things, we can often get bogged down with difficult questions. Questions about why God allows suffering in the world, what happens to people who believe in other religions, and so on. Sometimes there's questions about different denominations or churches. Oftentimes in these discussions, we end up talking about God, who can be defined differently by different people. And so there are answers to those type of complicated questions, but not simple answers. I'd encourage you to bring back the discussion to Jesus. That's what Jesus did. That's what his disciples did in the book of Acts. You can just start a conversation with the question, who do you think Jesus is? If the person isn't a true Christian, what, what answer are you most likely to get? Well, they'll say he was a good teacher. And you can ask them why they think he was a good teacher. And then ask them whether they knew that Jesus claimed to be God. Depending on how the conversation goes, you can encourage them to, to check it out for themselves by reading the source materials, the Gospels, and follow up with them. If they believe that Jesus is God, but have never prayed to become a believer, you have an opportunity to lead them to be saved. The question, who is Jesus, leads to conversations that go to the heart of what another person believes and what the truth is. Pray that God would give you opportunities to talk to people about who Jesus is. Now, once a person believes that Jesus is God, they must choose to follow Jesus as Lord. Going on to verse 34, and calling the disciples and calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake in the Gospels will save it. And since Jesus is God, he now explains what is required of a believer or follower of his. To believe in Jesus requires a person to deny himself, first of all. To deny yourself is to stop doing what you want to do with your life. And that means, obviously, to stop sinning and to stop following your own plans for your life. To follow Jesus is to discern and follow his plans for your life. Jesus further illustrates what a believer is to do by saying they must take up their cross. Now the cross was a symbol of, of dying to your old way of life before you began to follow Jesus. To take up your cross is to lose your life for Jesus and the gospel. 
To follow Jesus is to acknowledge him as Lord of your life. Your whole life must be committed to doing his will. Jesus continues in verse 36. He says, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? And so those who are not followers of Jesus seek to gain things in this world. Things like power, pleasure, relationships, money, and so on. If a person seeks the riches of this world, then they're going to forfeit their life or soul. In the Greek, the word translated soul in this verse is the same word translated life in the preceding verse. Your soul is the part of you, your life, that is immortal in contrast to your body, which is mortal. To forfeit your soul is to choose not to follow Jesus in this life. That will lead to your soul being subject to an eternity of torment in hell. And then Jesus gives us an example of how easy it is for someone to forfeit his soul rather than following Jesus as Lord. Verse 38, Jesus says, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The majority of the world around us today is the same as it was in Jesus' day, an adulterous and sinful generation. If a person is ashamed, embarrassed, or shy to boldly speak of Jesus and his word, it means they want or desire the approval of the sinful world more than the approval of God. And when Jesus returns, he will be ashamed of the person who did not speak up for him. That means that Jesus will not give that person his approval on Judgment Day, sending him instead of heaven to hell. True followers of Jesus will, will not speak only what is politically correct in their world, they will speak the truth. They will speak about Jesus and his word, no matter the persecution, no matter the cost to them. For they have decided to take up his cross or their cross and follow him. Choose to follow Jesus as Lord. Now, one of the issues with living in a nation in which the majority of people identify as Christians is that there seems to be no cost in being a follower of Jesus. And so there are many people who claim or think they are Christians who are not. Many believe they are Christians because they were baptized in a certain church, or their parents were Christians, or that they are basically good people. Now, none of those things make a person a Christian. Many others think they are Christian because they prayed a simple prayer at some point in their lives, but their way of life never changed. To pray a prayer of repentance and belief in Jesus must be the beginning of following Jesus in all of your life as Lord, or that prayer was simply words. A true believer will deny himself, will take up his cross, and follow Jesus. I believe the time is coming and, and already arriving in America where being a true Christian is starting to cost people. We must never be ashamed of the truth of God's word. We must boldly bear witness to it no matter the ridicule or persecution or canceling that may come. That is what it means to follow Jesus as Lord. Finally, we are to embrace Jesus as the Son of God. Turning to Mark chapter 9, verse 2, it says, After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And so Jesus took his three closest disciples with him to a mountain to reveal himself as the Son of God. The scripture tells us that Jesus was transfigured or metamorphosized before them. Jesus revealed to them 
himself as the Son of God, he shone in glory with an intense, indescribable light. It was as if Jesus removed or peeled back the veil of human flesh to reveal himself as God for a brief moment. In verse 4, there appeared to them Elijah, Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Elijah represented the prophets of the Old Testament. And Moses represented the law. They appeared with Jesus. These men had died thousands of years ago, but were with God in heaven and came down on this special occasion. Life after death is a reality, and Jesus was revealing it to his disciples. And then in verse 7, a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And so if seeing Jesus in his glory, Elijah and Moses was not enough, God the Father himself spoke from heaven. He spoke of Jesus as his beloved son who must be listened to. And so Peter, James, and John now knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus was not just a man. He was not simply a human being. He was truly God, the divine son of God. Verse 9, and as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So again, Jesus reminded his disciples that they were not to tell others, either that he was the Messiah or that he had revealed to them that he was God until after the resurrection. After the resurrection, all these revelations would be part of their witness for Jesus. Disciples were confused. They knew the scripture said that Elijah must come before the Messiah. They had just seen Elijah and they couldn't put it all together. And so Jesus then explained that John the Baptist, who had announced, prepared the way for Jesus the Messiah, had come first as a type of Elijah. And so he said in verse 12, he said to them, Elijah does come first to restore all things. And how is it written of the Son of Man that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt? And so finally, even though Jesus was and is the Son of God, he makes it clear that he's going to have to suffer. He's going to be treated badly. He's going to have to die. And then he'll rise from the dead. And that was God's plan for the Messiah, already revealed by the Old Testament prophets who, for those who read carefully. Jesus had to die to take away the sins of the world. And then he had to rise triumphant over death as Lord of all. And so we must embrace Jesus as the divine Son of God of God. Now, one of the things I've noticed is that as Christians, we tend to emphasize that Jesus died on the cross to forgive our sins. And that is certainly true. But if that was the end of the story, if he simply died on the cross, our sins wouldn't be forgiven. The end of the story of Jesus in the Gospels is that he rose from the dead. And we see the disciples emphasizing Jesus' resurrection over and over as they witnessed in the book of Acts. Since Jesus is God, he, he had to have risen from the dead. And since he's risen from the dead, that means he's alive today and he's alive forevermore. As the resurrected Lord, Jesus reigns as, as Lord of Lords and King of Kings forever. Every other religious founder, such as Buddha, Muhammad, Krishna, and many others, they're dead. Only Jesus Christ is alive. Contrary to popular opinion, all religions are not the same. The only true religion, Christianity, is based on a living founder, Jesus Christ. So in our lives, we must embrace Jesus as the living Son of God. Now today, we've, we've asked and answered the most important question that can be asked. Who is Jesus? 
It's important for each of us to give an accurate answer to those who ask us why we believe. We believe in Jesus because we understand who Jesus is. We recognize Jesus as the promised Old Testament Messiah. We choose to follow Jesus as Lord, which is the only way to follow Jesus. Those who seek to follow Jesus as Savior, but not as Lord, are not true followers of His. We embrace Jesus as the sinless Son of God. Not only did Jesus die for our sins, He rose from the dead. Three days later, He lives forevermore. We are not ashamed of Jesus. We're not ashamed of our faith in Him or His Word. We look forward to Jesus' return to this earth and a new heavens and earth in which righteousness dwells. Jesus must be everything to us. Now this morning I want to give you an opportunity to repent and become a true follower of Jesus. If you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ, I'm going to pray with you that you could be born again. To become a follower of Jesus, you need to, first of all, admit that you've sinned and repent, turn away from that sin. Secondly, believe that Jesus died to forgive you on the cross and he rose from the dead. And finally, commit your life to following Jesus as your Lord. So what I encourage you to pray along with me if you've never prayed a prayer like this before, or perhaps you'd like to recommit your life to him this morning or whenever you're watching this video. So let's pray together. Father, I admit that I've sinned, I've done wrong things, and I repent, I, I turn away from those sins. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, the perfect sacrifice to pay the penalty for my sin. Please forgive me. I believe he rose from the dead, and I commit myself to following him as my Savior and Lord all the days of my life. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you for your word that clearly shows us the answer to the question, who is Jesus? We ask for you to forgive us for the times when we were ashamed to speak up for you. Today, we commit to recognize and speak of Jesus as the promised Messiah. We choose to follow Jesus as Lord in our lives and to encourage others to do the same. We embrace Jesus as the risen Son of God. We choose to deny ourselves to take up our cross and follow Jesus no matter the cost. We are not ashamed of Jesus. We are not ashamed of the gospel. Give us the opportunities and boldness to be your witnesses in the power of the Spirit. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Now, if you've made a commitment to Jesus Christ or would like more information, I'd encourage you to connect with us via the link below this video. We'll pray for you, offer you some helpful materials. You can find out more information on our website, lifechurchstlouis.org. Our Sunday morning services are now open at 10 a.m. at 15036 Clayton Road, Chesterfield. You're invited to attend if you live in the St. Louis area. Online donations to help us reach more people for Jesus are available at lcstl.org slash give also on our website next sunday we continue our message series jesus in action from the book of mark with the message serving jesus we invite you to join us then god bless and have a great week